Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. And this is an episode that I think we all are design students for the whole of our life, really. Maybe not everybody, but um, me as a design professor and a designer, I'm definitely a design student long-term. I know for sure Mitch is because he got a three degrees, right? A bachelor's in graphic design, a master's in graphic design, and then a master in furniture design. There's design in all of those. And you are, as a professor, I know you have to be continually learning, especially in design. There's so many new things. We have to teach all kinds of things. Definitely there's foundational things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to... We, you have, um, when did you start, um, expressing yourself on Twitter and asking, uh, or giving designs, dear design students, how many years have you been doing that? Um, boy, that's a good question. Um, I started my first round of Twitter when it was Twitter was in the, must've been the late 2000, 2000 aughts. So maybe 2000. Eight, nine, ten, and in that kind of neighborhood. And I started out originally, my first Twitter account was a fake Twitter account called Angry Paul Rand, which probably nobody on here remembers. And I was basically, this was when like Mad Men was really big on TV. Mm-hmm. And I was basically decided to do this like drunk, pissed off Paul Rand. That was like the character. And so it was a lot of, cause I mean, he's a, you know, I never met him, but I've heard many stories from people who've known him. He's a gruff personality. Um, and so I was just doing this kind of like, clearly it was a parody. I mean, it was not right, right, right. Not really pretending to be, you know, but it was funny. And that was really kind of fun. And, and at the time, and this is so hilarious to say out loud, but at the time, I think I got like maybe 15,000 followers, which put me on like the front page of Twitter 15 years ago. Like that's how many people that was back then. Now that's not that big of a deal. But um, it was it's really a big deal to me. Well, it's a big deal to a lot, but yeah, I mean, it was, and so. I did that for a little while. And then I was like, you know, this is fun, but I kind of like actually have stuff I actually want to talk about, not just being amusing, but like things I really want to do talk about as I kind of was getting my grad degree, getting my first master's degree, getting into education, like professionally. And so I sort of quit that and then paused for a few months and then started really just my own account. And eventually it got bigger and bigger and bigger for, again, whatever reason that I still don't believe I deserve, but I digress. Um, and then I started thinking about, you know, just really like who I was on Twitter and 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 mm. is it going to be like a fake Mitch? Is it going to be some sort of, you know, hyped version of me? And really what I settled on was being pretty much just me and, and being authentic, but not like a calculated, I'm going to be authentic to get your views way, but just being who I really am. And then I started tweeting to students and really, ultimately, I was tweeting to me more than anybody else. Mm. I mean, everything I said was first to me. Um I think it was um, John Gruber who does this blog, Daring Fireball, which is like a tech blog that I don't really read anymore. But he once said his he's writing for him, like his audience is a is a clone of himself. And I always thought that was really interesting that it wasn't about me trying to like tell people what they wanted to hear. It wasn't about cleverly sort of directing things at certain. It was just like here I am, take it or leave it, and and that was it. And it just kind of for whatever reason, blew up into a, into a thing that again, I still don't understand why, but I will take it. I'm grateful for it. Um, but that's really kind of where it all started. Yeah. Okay. So take us back, tell us a little bit about your background. You, um, undergrad, you started, tell us where you went if you want, and then, um, what you 
studied, you studied graphic right. design, but then what happened after uh, sure. undergrad? Okay. Yeah. So my, my first round of college when I was 18 um, was in Syracuse University trying to do an architecture degree, which I spectacularly- Are you from New York? Nope, not at all. It was just, um, I'm from Rhode Island originally. Okay. And um, it was just I, something, architecture was something I always wanted to do. And I got into, at the, I have no idea where Syracuse is now, but at the time it was like a top five school in the country for this. And I like barely got in. And then I failed out spectacularly, which was great. Um, I think I ended up putting in about three years there, one year of which I was paying attention and two years was mostly not paying attention. Um, and so after that, I kind of floated around and did a lot of retail. Like I sold computers. I actually sold long distance, which nobody but you and I probably even know what that is on this call. Um, that was actually a thing you would buy. You would buy long distance phone service. So I did a whole bunch of kind of just things that were not really interesting and just making enough money to scrape by. And eventually I started getting into doing some more fine art. I eventually started getting into doing some very, very low level like web stuff in the late 90s. Um, that was all it was, was low Yeah, level. which is all it was, <laughs> was very rudimentary, right? And then- um, Every black background, they were yep, all- Yep, it was like like transparent GIFs and oh, all yeah. that good, all the goodies there. Um, I think I used Dreamweaver at one point. Yes, I mean, Dreamweaver. Versus, yes, yep. me too, me too. Uh, and then a friend, um, this friend of mine, Jason, um, and a couple of other people opened up a small design studio. He really opened it and kind of hired me. And that was when I realized like, oh, wait a minute, I could actually do this for a little, like you get paid to do this. Like, this isn't just a hobby. And then I realized I was kind of hitting a wall. I was hitting a ceiling of where I was able to get to. I just couldn't think past a certain point. It was very rudimentary. And I realized like, oh, I should really think about school again, but I have no idea how I'm going to do that. And my dad, one day we were having dinner. He's like, you should go back to school. And what I'm like, age was this? This was, God, what was I? Third, 30? Yeah. So this, this can be hard at some yeah. point because some people have already moved on yep. uh, and then you're like, oh, I'm in this limbo. So this is also we have a lot of at our school. We have a lot of people who are not traditional. Yeah, exactly. 18 to 23 year olds. Right. Yep. And for me, it was great because I wasn't ready to be a college student at 18. I was extremely ready when I was 30, 31 because I realized, oh, there's nothing wrong with working retail. I mean, some people do it and have a phenomenal career. For me, it was not good. It, it was not, I never felt valued. It was just like, how much did you sell today? Mm. I don't care about anything else you did. And that's fine for other people. It's not fine for me. And so my dad was like, you should really think about going back to school. And I was like, ha ha ha, don't be a jerk. And then he was like, no, really think about it. And I thought about it and I decided, screw it, let's try it. So I applied because I was in Rhode Island. I applied to Rhode Island College, which is like a good local college. And then I applied to RISD. Rhode Island School of Design, which is some would say the best design school on the planet, right? Probably number one is yeah, still probably number on one the list yeah. for many people, right? So I didn't get into Rhode Island College and I got into RISD on a scholarship, which makes absolutely no sense if in any capacity. And so obviously I like clearly went to, you know, and I went to RISD and I really, and I loved it. I, it, it is, I, I mean, obviously I love teaching and this is kind of what I do as a profession, but I can't overstate the impact RISD had on me. It yeah. was such an important moment for me. And, and I remember driving up to my mailbox and the mailman put in the congratulations envelope sticking out so I could see it. Like it was a really wonderful moment, you know? And so I went to RISD, um, had an amazing time there, did lots of work. Met a ton of people. Um, I, I How met many my more now, years did you have to take classes? Because you had three, done three like years. three and a half years. Yeah, I did a okay. summer and then three full years okay. to get my BFA. 
Um, I met my former partner there, um, you know, my romantic and professional partner. We're no longer together. Um, and then from there, we did a bunch of studio work and a lot of freelance stuff, had some clients and eventually decided a few years down the road, maybe it was time for a master's degree. I knew I wanted to teach. I had been a TA when I was an undergrad at RISD every semester. And I was teaching sort of adjunct after that, you know, getting a class here and there at RISD at Rhode Island College, who ironically did not accept me because time is a flat circle. Um, and, and eventually I was like, I really want to do this. Like, this is what I want to do, like with my life. Like, I really, really love teaching. It's really where I should be. And so a grad degree, you know, an MFA was more or less needed to do that. So did you go straight from RISD to grad school? No. Okay. We, we had RISD, then my, my 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 former partner, Ann, and I worked together for f- four or five years, three or four years, something like that. Um, and then in 2010, went to, went to VCU for my first grad degree, which at the time I thought would be my only grad degree. It was not. There was never a plan to do more than that. So and um, that was work, really great. What kind of work were you doing before you went to grad school? So we did just sort of graphic design agency stuff. Okay. Just a lot of, you know, missed clients and things, you know, you know, good work. I think we did quite solid work, but it was, you know, as you do. Were you still in Rhode Island? Yep. We were in Providence. Yeah. Okay. Um, Eventually went to graduate school and that's when I realized like, okay, if I'm going to do this, then this has to sort of have a result at the end that is valuable because grad school, despite getting to go to a very good program for very little money, it still costs, you know, there's still like a fee associated and so I knew I wanted to do full-time teaching. And so we ended up both applying. Um, originally, Ann got a job at MICA in Baltimore. So we did Baltimore for a year. Um, I wasn't really getting a job. I ended up at RIT in Rochester, where I am now. Um, and then she came up sort of a year later. And that's you know sort of where we settled. Um, and that's where I am today still. And um, she is also teaching at RIT. Now, even though we're separated, we're still friends. And she is teaching at RIT as well, which is great. Okay. So then when did you decide your bit? So you actually knew you wanted to be a teacher when you were at RISD. You yep. had that kind of calling. You knew that. Absolutely. Yes, you love design, but there was this other thing you knew you wanted to make impact in this way. But then, so you're working, you go back to grad school. Now you have the credentials to be able to teach. When do you decide to go to furniture design? Like when, how's that a bug in your ear? Like, cause this, I mean, in, in, I love that you've done this. This is like huge, hugely inspiring. And I really admire. Thank you. Because I can, I can't imagine having, uh, going up for tenure, doing all the things that you have to do to be at a research institution, which I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, it's actually not. It's a teaching institution. Teaching is well, yeah. ours still, is a it's teaching a lot institution of work. Yeah. as well, but we still have to do some research. Yep. Yep. And so it's like, um, how do you do that and go get another degree? Because it's not like you were like, hey, I'm going to take a year off or yeah, two no. years off or three years off and go get a furniture degree. I mean, it was kind of stupid <laughs> to me. <laughs> no, like, I it was a dumb crazy. decision. Um, I basically decided I got I got tenure. You know, after after working hard and, and doing all the applicants, I finally received tenure. And I was thinking, okay, I've got tenure. And tenure back in the day really represented an amount of intellectual freedom and all this stuff. Right, These right. days, all tenure really means is you just have a kind of permanently renewable contract. Um, I can be fired. I still have to do my job. It's not like you're on vacation. I think there's this illusion <laughs> of what tenure is where you're just like on a beach, like phoning into class. That is not, it's, it's you work a lot harder after you get tenure. 
And I decided like, you know what? I've always been interested in sort of making stuff. I've always really liked architecture, obviously. I've always liked building things. I like putting stuff together. Like for me, building Ikea is like a dream. Like I love putting Ikea together. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm always interested in this stuff. I've never really worked dimensionally. Like I've worked flat, you know, 2D, but I've never really worked 3D. RIT happens to have one of the best furniture programs in the country. Um, and it turns out one of my benefits is free tuition, hmm. which at first I didn't even register. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's interesting. And so I met with the chair of the school. I met with the dean. And I'm like, I'm interested in doing this. Is this something you guys are okay with me doing? Because I'm not going to not teach. Like, you're not paying me to get another degree. You're paying me to teach. Right. So I will obviously still be teaching, but are you okay with me doing this? And they were like, absolutely. Hell yes. Please do it. That's that's awesome. So everybody in the administration was super supportive. My faculty was super supportive. My colleagues were super supportive. I did a summer class, like a one little five-week summer furniture class, and I was instantly like in. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Did you already know how to use all the tools, nope. like planers and nope. saws? Didn't and know the words. Didn't have any. I had a screwdriver. Wow. Like I had nothing, you know? And so over, you know, you you buy some tools. I get it. You know, I had a studio space on college. Like I was really, I was a student. Um, all I was taking was basically the major studio. I wasn't doing electives because I already had essentially right. transfer credits from my other degree. So yep. I was able to just do the studio. And furniture is really weird because as graphic designers, we can pull out a project start to finish in 24 hours, depending on what the job is. You know, we've, you know, you could do a whole project in 20 hours of work, right? It takes an entire double credit semester class. So a six credit studio to do one good piece of furniture a semester. Um, and usually we do a secondary thing that's a little less precise and it was not enough time. So it's such a different mindset. It's so completely alien to what I was used to. It's not Photoshop. It's not digital. It's like you're in, it's physical. It's like cutting things and splinters and sawdust and you're <laughs> in it. And it's so it's so cool. It's just okay. so fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so Amora is here. She has a um, industrial design degree, yep. and um, so and she likes furniture as well. Mm -hmm. Her and I've had many conversations about that. So, what's the difference? I think I know, but I'd really like you to tell me because I'm not. Uh, I might not be. Mm -hmm. I might be assuming. So, what's the difference in industrial design and furniture design? Arguably, nothing. Arguably, yeah. furniture lives in most schools. Furniture lives in industrial design. Certain schools have furniture design programs, but most schools don't because it's such a specific discipline that if you want to do furniture design, you're usually an ID. And you, but as what you do is you're designing furniture at RIT and other schools that have a program, it's really pretty different because ID, and I don't want to sound like the most ignorant person in the world because I am not an ID person, but you know, ID is so much more about manufacturing and material studies and things like that. Um, and ultimately what you're making an ID is sort of um, visualizations, mock-ups, a lot of, yeah, like Morris said, a lot of tools, things like mm -hmm. that, materials, ejection molding, blah, 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 blah. Furniture, you're making a one-off thing. It, it's, so it's, like it's, art? So in so like yeah. you have photography, photography can be commercial or mm -hmm. it can be art, you know, fine art photography. Right. Is that kind of what this is? So there is furniture design that is more in industrial design and then, and that is like mass produced or there's furniture that's like, I'm making mm -hmm. this table that's very specific. 
I, I mm, honestly, I think those words are sort of meaningless to be, okay. to be totally honest. I don't really think about it in terms of art versus design. I don't separate them in my head, which I know a so lot of art people, versus commercial. That's not, I don't see it like that. Okay. I see it as what the intent is. And for me, the intent was not about mass producing stuff. For me, the intent was not about becoming a, a sort of production furniture maker, which is what most people will tend to do. For me, it was just another way to express myself and another medium, another format, another set of things to understand and learn, um, another way to visualize whatever's in my brain, which please don't ask me because I can't possibly explain that. Um, and it was just a really wonderful opportunity that I grabbed. But this was something where it finally was physical. Yep. So this was weird. scratched yeah. an itch for you because you'd been wanting to do architecture. Is this, does this meet the need that you were wanting for architecture to fill? Does this really fill that? So that's an interesting question. I think it is getting there. Not yet, because now that I've gotten this degree, I now have, you know, I, I have um, a body of work I want to create which I can't explain to you because I don't know what it is yet, but I think it is, I think where my, oh boy, this is a tough question. I think my practice ultimately is going to sit in sort of a hybrid space between a lot of disciplines because I don't like one thing. I like lots of things. Mm -hmm. And I really like seeing how I can smash photography into furniture design or how can I smash painting and graphic design together or whatever and whatever and whatever together. To me, that's really fascinating. Um, I really don't like silos. I really don't like labels. I don't like divisions. I see it all as one big mess. It's one big interesting gray thing that that I get to do stuff with because that's what we do. Like I'm paid to be curious. Like that's what a teacher does. Yeah. I think. Like we're professionally curious, you know? For sure. And, and it's like incredible. It's like the most incredible job in the world. Like I can't believe, and I'm not saying this like for a quote, I can't believe I get to do this. Because 20 years ago, there I was going to just sell retail. Like, that was it. I was mm -hmm. going to just live paycheck to paycheck and kind of hope to get some friends or whatever. And that was it. And now I'm getting to do this thing, which is so beyond my ability to comprehend that I get to do it. Mm -hmm. And that by some measures I am good at. Again, I would always question that personally, but objectively, I've done pretty well for myself. And so it's really amazing, you know? And the fact that RIT is an institution that was like, hell yeah, go get another degree. That's awesome you know, you're going to teach like you have your job, but absolutely it was, it's unreal. It's incredible. I don't so, saying that lightly. It is exceptionally extraordinary. I got to do this. Like it's ridiculous. Well, one thing I love is that we're going to talk about being a design student and your dear design mm -hmm. students. When you are in that you're teaching, but then you're also learning. Does that help you to like, cause you said earlier, I was really writing these to myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that we are constantly learning. We are not ever not a design student, I, I believe. So when you're you're taking these furniture classes, does dear design students have a different twist? Was there something, did something happen because you're having to learn something or did you hear the tone in the dear design student tweets change at all? I mean, I think honestly, it helped me be better teacher mm -hmm. in that it helped me realize like, oh, all of this stuff I think I'm doing as an educator, now it's going to come bite me in the ass because it's happening to me yes. and and me being like cagey about 
just, you know, I'm, if anybody's, I don't know who's in the room, if anybody's had me as a teacher, they know I'm very cagey. I'm very abstract. I don't like answering questions like with solid yeses and nos. I'm always like, good question, you know? And now all of a sudden I'm like, hey, what do I do for this furniture? And they're like, good question. And I'm like, oh, damn it. I'm like, all right, I deserve that. Like, I, you know, that's fair. And so that was actually fascinating to, to sit on the other side and and not to judge the people who taught me because the people I had at furniture were phenomenal. I mean, they're incredibly skilled people. But to be like, oh, so what does it really mean to be a student? Like, what do I really want or need? And, and, and you know, there's a million answers to that question, but I thought that was really valuable to me. Not only making furniture, not only getting to do this incredible opportunity at a really high-end program, not only getting to, to work with these students that were now, are now my friends and colleagues, you know, it's really amazing. But on top of all that, it's like, okay, you know, here was today's kind of class. Like, what did I learn as a professional educator out of this? And that was really valuable um, and continues to be really valuable. I don't know if I would say it radically altered my pedagogy because I kind of think I, I feel pretty dialed into where my head is, but it definitely helped clarify and sort of alter some stuff for me. Well, and I think that was really empathy in a way, a different way, because oh, yeah. you're like, oh, I don't know what you're wanting. Yep. I really want to solve this correctly and mm -hmm. your teacher's like there isn't a correct it's yep. you, you know and you're like oh now i see how frustrating that could be when i say yeah. that to right so and, and i don't think i was a particularly great student like i you know you have to talk to the people i, I like I, I mean i i worked but i don't think i wasn't like rolling in there like i'm good i was like what is this tool like how do i you know and it was really hilarious i actually remember the first project we do, because you really want to learn all the hand tools, is you have to do a table completely by hand, no power tools, which is extremely hard, like really, really difficult. And I remember, you got to picture me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my late 40s and I'm like in the bench room and the other guys are, you know, the other students, the other people in the class are kind of hanging out, having lunch. And I'm like 10 feet away trying to plane a piece of wood and they're all eating lunch, just giggling their butts off at me. And I'm like, yeah, I earned this. That's fair. Like that's that's reasonable. Like it was a good moment, actually. I was like, yep, here we go. Like we're not kidding around. Like I'm not rolling through this. Like I'm gonna work my butt off. Right. Um, and I didn't. It was worth it. I mean, it was so incredibly worth it. That's awesome. Okay. So um back we're going back to the dear design students. When you began after you were uh the not real Paul Rand. The angry Paul Rand, yeah. Right, right. right. It, when you were being you, you're figuring out your voice. Um, I can think of things that I would say, and I have had conversations with another colleague like, hey, we should have a course for, you know, parents who are putting their kid in or the kids. It's like, hey, here's how to actually succeed freshman year or here's how to succeed in college. Um is when you started as you mm -hmm. um, and then how it, it developed, was there a big change in that from where you were right after you weren't Paul Rand to where you are maybe now? Has there been like shifts or you're pretty? Oh, yeah, I think always. Yeah, I'm always changing. I I, I, I have a Always, um, I there, uh, there's sort of a, a of a idea on again the artist formerly known as Twitter where you would delete old tweets because you realized you said something you know you've changed and I was like no I'm not doing that I'm a human being I'm gonna change my mind I change my mind every ten seconds like I'm not gonna pretend 
what I said 10 years ago is as valid. I mean, right. I've, I can't recall anything off the top of my head. I have unquestionably said idiotic garbage that I would look at now and be like, dude, what were you even thinking saying that? But again, to me personally, the, the, the authenticity was always there, you know, like it was always, uh, I believe always a real reflection of what I was thinking on a given day or a given so week. Was it a frustration? Was it, and you said this earlier, you were really talking to you. Was it like, oh, like what was the starter? Like what were some of the. I think it was partially that I like to talk like I'm bubbly or whatever, you know, whatever word I want to use. I think it was partially that I think design, art, design, whatever word we're going to use here is such an abstract gray thing that understanding in any way you can, I think is valuable for me posting the stuff on Twitter, helped me understand what I was doing. Um, I was part of your processing unquestionably. Yes. I would argue it's part of my creative practice. Actually. Um, I I would lump it in. I I don't, I would argue, I mean, again, I have colleagues I love and adore who completely disagree with me on this, but I would argue that writing posts on Twitter doing a podcast like I'm doing right now, making art, teaching, writing, reading. It's all part of my creative practice. It's all one thing. It's not a whole bunch of different things. So I don't see it as a separation. Like there's Twitter Mitch and then there's teacher Mitch. It's just right. Mitch. Right. And and I really decided that. It wasn't just, I didn't roll into it. I, there was a, I don't remember the day, but I was really like, you know what? I am not going to act like these are different things because to me, they're not. And, and I can write a tweet and then that tweet informs something I say to a student two days later. And then that student we're talking about something and that sparks a thought that kind of rolls into something I'm working on my own, which then rolls into maybe an article I would write or whatever. And I think that denying that is foolish. Why would you pretend they're different? To me, they're not different. It's one thing. Yeah. And and that's how I roll. And I don't know if that's a good move or not, but that's kind of just how I tend to go. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to ask you a question about, processing or reflecting are you are you a journaler do you write do you is this is really because twitter's shorter number used to be even shorter but um having to process uh and communicate in a number of characters is hard in itself Mm -hmm. but is that are you are you really reflective and then you're after you've journaled, then you're going out and doing the tweet or you're like. I'm just going. Um, I really the writing that I've done other than the book, obviously, is really Twitter. Like that's where I write. My my writing is sort of public in, in that respect. Um, and which is really tough because I actually sort of just quit Twitter or X or whatever the hell. Let's not go down that road right now. Um, I, I decided I've had enough um, because it's no longer really interesting. It's just sort of a vile place to be. And I'm kind of done with it. Um, But I think for me, it was, here's what I'm thinking. Let me try to verbalize it in a way that is clear to me. And let's see if other people kind of understand that. And their reaction to it will help inform me about what I'm thinking. And so if I said something and they're like, actually, dude, no, X, Y, Z, and ignoring the trolls, I'd be like, oh, good. You're right. I haven't considered that before. You know, thank you. And that is when it's magical. And that's when it's wonderful. 
And it isn't just all the garbage that's on there now that I'm done with. Like, I just can't deal with it anymore. Um, and so I think that sort of like, um, I've always described it as, as just like, um, I'm not hiding anything professionally. Like I'm just, there's nothing to hide. Like, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm worried about. But personally, he's hiding but personally, a lot of, tons things, of stuff. People. I'm not going to tell you, but, but <laughs> professionally or, or in terms of my kind of creative practice, you know, again, this lump idea, I, I want to know what I'm trying to do. And I have no problem looking like an idiot in front of people, because I think honestly, as an educator, the student's like, Oh, he's not kidding with this. Like the stuff he's yeah. spouting to me in class, he's doing it. And, and I always really, I always felt like that was a really smart move on my point to, to sort of not hide my practice. Um, the first thing I say in a new semester is go Google me. And then you can decide if you think I know what I'm talking about or not. Just because I'm the person standing in front of the room doesn't mean you have to care. Yeah. You know, And nobody wants to say that, but it's true. Like you don't have to give a crap about this class I'm in. I, I think you should. I think there's stuff to learn. You know, I think you can learn. Even if what you learn is you don't want to do this, that's still a very valuable thing to learn. But I think by being very open about it and being very um, upfront with how all over the place I am, I think it sort of makes what I have to say in some ways a little more valid for the students because they're like, oh, oh, he said that. Oh, look at this post he made about this stupid thing he made that sucked. It's like, oh, he's not kidding. Like, he's really doing this. Yeah. And so for me, that has always been super valuable. Um, and that is why I am never afraid to like follow students on social and stuff. You know, I, I'm always very upfront with stuff like that. So. All right. So if you're not on that platform anywhere anymore, where are you? Pretty much where just you're Instagram. sharing yeah, just, just Instagram, Instagram. You're sharing yeah. those things. OK, yeah. so now we're going back to some of the Dear Design student tweets. Okay? OK, Um. so as you're doing this, I can imagine if I was doing this, it probably would not have come up. <laughs> I would have been just like complaining about <laughs> students, I guess, you know. I mean, during the pandemic, I had to right. tell more than one child, uh, and I'm going to say child, to put on a shirt. I'm like, do you have a shirt on? And they're like, <laughs> no. And I'm like, um, I'm going to have to put that in my syllabus. <laughs> Must wear clothes. Exactly. That was exactly. very, very uncomfortable. Okay. So um, so Doc says, would, would threads be something yeah. you'd use to take the place of Twitter combos? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good with, I think I'm good with it. I mean, I have threads, you know, I have the account, but I, I think that, that at the end of the day, I can give enough on Instagram and get back enough in terms of the dialogue on Instagram where I don't need additional places for that. I think one okay. is good. For me. Like, I think I'm good with just pretty much just Instagram. And I'm not honestly a huge fan of like owning my data to Facebook. I mean, they own it, you know, I'm not a, right, right. delighted about that, but Welcome to 2023. I mean, that you don't have a lot of choices these days. Okay, so. so so tell us some of your favorite dear design students. What are some of the ones that have like really captured you and you're like? Um, I think the ones that are probably the most well, other than things that are just amusing, which I can't recall off the top of my head. But I think, I think that's what, one of the things that yeah. is great about you is that you, it's your humor and it yeah. does come out, right? So it, some of it is that kind of like, um, I do, I think you're funny. Right? Thank you. I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I think really the things that were most valuable, I'm going to use that word kind of loosely, were the stuff really about kind of critique and things like that. Mm. Because I think critique, it's something like I say, oh, you're going to be in school and you're going to critique and everybody's like, okay, cool. But they don't really understand what that is until you're in it. And I think that what I have learned over the years is a critique is difficult and you have to practice it. 
and you have to get good at it. It's not like you're instantaneously good at it because you're in art school. And so I think some of the stuff that I've been talking about with critique, which eventually rolled into, um, I ended up putting them sort of together on a website called howtocrit.com, which is still live and people can go look at that. Um, and people share it all the time, which is incredibly flattering and amazing, um, which eventually honestly rolled into the book because it sort of was like, oh, this stuff is not just like I'm being funny. Like there's something kind of going on here. And when I started realizing like this critique conversation, people were like, oh, like, oh, I hadn't thought of that or, oh, interesting point or, oh, no, wrong or whatever. I was like, oh, there's something going on here. Like, like there's something, there's a a need that is, I'm meeting a tiny little, you know, a tiny, tiny little bit. I'm giving a little bit of this need of understanding how this works. And I think especially for students who are 18 or 19 coming out of high school, especially for parents who like, no offense to parents, but if they're not artists or designers, art school and design school looks like a foreign and alien world. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. Like, so you mean I'm going to make stuff and then everybody's going to like talk about it in front of each other and tell me I'm bad. And it's like, not exactly, but kind of, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we, you know. And so uh, realizing that there was something really interesting and useful in that respect, not just for me, but for other people, that was when I was like, oh, that's where this is going to be. Not just fun, but like value. I'm going to use valuable in air quotes. Like there's something going on here. And that eventually sort of helped me get into the book. And that's how the, you know, and the, the book came from Twitter. Like somebody, you know, um, this guy, Paul Wagner, who who is the design director at Princeton Architectural Press, reached out to me. And this is like five years ago. It was like, we're thinking about, we want you to talk about writing a book. And I'm like, who is this? What spam account is, this? you know, like, don't screw with me. You know, and I was totally like, who is this idiot? You know, and no, Paul's a great guy. Was this was, before tenure or after? This was before tenure. This was before tenure, a couple of years before tenure. So I think he first communicated with me in maybe 2015, 16, 17, you know, in that in that range. Like it was a few years ago. It took a while to get the book kind of done. Um, but that's when I was like, oh, so even more than what I thought this was, this is even more than I real. Like, oh, this is actually interesting, you know, because yeah. this guy's not a design student anymore. He's a creative director at a major publisher. And, and and again, it's those moments where you're just like, how is this happening? Like, like, who, you know, who do I owe for like letting this out? You know, how did I swing this? And, and so I guess all of this is to say that, yeah, social media can be a cesspool of insults and garbage and bad stuff, but there are pockets of stuff that's actually really quite interesting and quite valuable. And for me, it's been an amazing opportunity between the book, getting to talk at schools, getting to be on a podcast with you. I mean, you and I met a few years ago on Zooms because of Twitter, you know, during the pandemic and stuff. And so like, yes, there's this toxic hell, but there's also this really wonderful, really like beautiful thing that can happen too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really pretty unbelievably great. I agree. I'm yeah. totally with you. I, um, many of the people who are here, I have um, met maybe in person. Yes. But first it was because they were here and they yeah. came and I know now I know everybody where everybody's from. And I wrote you down Zoe Western mass and Annette in Fort Lauderdale, but everybody else I know. And some of them I have hugged and some of them I have yet to hug, but I will at some right. point. Right. Um, but they're my friends. They're real friends. They're real yeah. people that show up. I just have not ever hugged them. Same. Um, Yep. So and I but I do think that there's something beautiful about the internet. This is what I love. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So in the book, um, who 
who was it intentionally for in the beginning? The first, you know, uh, customer persona. Who is who is this book? Who did you write this for? Or who were these tweets for? I think it was for two. It was for three people. Me. Okay. Me first. You as a student. Me, Mitch, me, me, Mitch, human being who, who teaches professionally and wants to understand what the hell I'm talking about on a given day. That's the secret audience. That's me. Uh-huh. But then really it was directed toward current or potential design students, art design students, and current or potential art and design educators. And, and really the conversation I had with the publisher, because we, 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 I got, I love that I get to say this. We took a lunch. I love that I get to say I took a lunch with a publisher. I took a lunch, you know, you know, I drove down to Hudson Valley to their offices and we, you know, we talked over lunch and I was like, look, if you want like an academic text, I am not the guy. Like, do we're not doing that. And I said, I'm really interested in talking to students, but I also am really interested in talking to teachers. And we sort of discussed it. And I said, I'd kind of like to write one book that addresses both audiences. And so what that eventually evolved into is the book is maybe 70% speaking to a student or a potential student, or even arguably the parents of a potential student, and 30 or 40% speaking to teachers. And so in the book, in the chapters, it'll do some stuff and then it'll say for teachers, comma, and then there'll be a stuff that addresses the teachers. And I decided there was a moment where it was like, maybe this is actually two books, like how to be a design student, how to be a design teacher. And I realized that, no, I don't think we're that separate, actually. I think that design students and teachers are maybe 95% identical, which makes no sense to most people, but I really do believe that. And so I wanted students to read the stuff I was saying to teachers, and I wanted teachers to read the stuff I was saying to students. And that's why ultimately it became one book. And And... I feel pretty good about that choice. I think that was a, you know, I have moments where I'm pretty smart occasionally. And I was like, I was like, boop, that was a, that was a good one, you know? So then for, um, cause I think most of the people in the chat are designers, uh, yep. uh, two people I don't know yet. Well, um, so not yet at least. Um, so in that, is this for, I'm thinking about Paul, Paul went back to school. He as a, PhD in physics. He's had his own, uh, I can't remember, Paul, engineer. I don't know. Anyway, he sold <laughs> things and then he had to do the design for it and he fell in love with design. Then he went back and got his design degree and he's a great book designer. Mm-hmm. And so now as a, is this for, is it at all for traditional 18 year olds or is it for it, would it be for Paul also? Because I don't remember how old Paul was when he went back to school. But, you know, like there are lots, there are other people here mm-hmm. that went and did their design, graphic design degree later. I would say yes. So for both. For it's everybody. Not, yeah. And, I think it's for anybody who understands that you stop learning when you die. Okay. So That's it's really for us who Absolutely. are con- practicing designers as well, because we need to keep embracing that we are still a design student. Yeah, because design school doesn't just happen in design school. Amen. You know what I mean? Like design school happens every day. I would argue design school happens when you go to dinner with somebody you care about, or you see a movie, or you go to a show, or you take a walk. That's design school. What design school isn't is teacher says this, you do the thing that teacher said, you hand it in and teacher gives you an A. That I think is is basically worthless or, or mostly worthless. What is interesting is here's all this weird thing we call life, which nobody really understands. And you as a designer, you take all this stuff and you put it in your brain and you mix it around and then you output it into sort of visual artifacts or whatever. That's what school is. 
And in my opinion, you don't do that. You don't stop doing that until you are dead. That is when you stop being in school. And I mean that very sincerely. I'm not being funny. I really do mean that. And I think that is such an important idea that I hope I, I, it's, Mm. it's so hard when you write a book because it's like a three year internal dialogue. It is impossible for me to evaluate whether this book is any good or not at this point. But I believe that the book speaks to that idea that something I am sort of directing at a 19 year old sophomore is absolutely valuable to a 50 year old art director somewhere who who's interested in just being better, you know? Mm-hmm. Now that might be BS. That might be me being very egocentric. I don't really know, but I, I believe my, my intent was for that. My intent was not to alienate people who are done with school. Like it's not, there's right, not a right, chapter right. that says, Oh, you're graduated. You're not allowed to read this. <laughs> right. Like I so- really think is val there's value for everybody. Absolutely. So Hannah and Doc both say preach. They're giving you the amen. Thank you. Thank you. And Daniel says 100% that design school, in quotes, changes on an everyday basis and that he's always teaching himself new things. I actually think, especially in our field of graphic design, our field is changing all the time. You have to be flexible. But there have been mastermind groups I've been in where there were still tears when when people were honest and sometimes ooh, there's a weird bug on my computer. I killed it. Hopefully nobody's upset that I killed that bug, but I don't want that bug. We appreciate the sacrifice. Of yeah. <laughs> but, but in that there is, it's a really important, that critique space is something that I missed a lot after I got out of school, because who is going to be that honest with me? You know, very few people. And yeah. a client isn't doesn't have the knowledge to give you the feedback or mm-hmm. to give you the critique that you really need. Um, I know I've talked to Paul about this a lot. Like at some point, you have gotten to learn almost everything it maybe that you can. And now you need someone to push you. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who matches you intellectually where you are. You know how to do all the grep styles and you know how to do all these other weird things in book design. Now you need someone to push you conceptually or now you need someone. And I think that that is where there's value in groups, even if everybody doesn't always come from the same um area or the same that actually can make it better because Mm -hmm. they see things in a new way and and i love this is what i at vcu which i graduated from there in 2001 i don't know when you graduated yeah i was 2012 i I think way before you way before i'm got my walker over there anyway (laughs) Um, but it, but I remember John Malinowski was one of our teachers, yep. one of your teachers. He's my yep. favorite. Was and he he you said that like he was. No no no, he's great. John was he's amazing. Awesome. Yep. Okay, but he did not sugarcoat anything. Nope. <laughs> and I was so glad because I'm like such a like a. Okay, you want me to do this? Okay. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't know what all these other people know. I. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's because I went to school in Alabama. I don't know. Maybe, you know, what did they teach us this at Auburn? Um, and maybe I just missed that part. Who knows? But right. my professors were awesome. I love my professors at Auburn. But I remember saying, you know what? I don't care if I look like an idiot. And you've said this as well. You've said this earlier today mm-hmm. in our conversation. I want to learn more than I want to look correct. I, and yep. I remember Malinowski saying, who knows blah, blah, 
designer. And I'm like, not me. Or yeah. it was like, who doesn't know blah, blah, designer? I literally was the only one that would raise my hand. And I was like, I don't, well, I'm yeah. the only one. Could you please tell me? And he said to me as I graduated, he was like, Diane, nobody else knew. Or maybe not not all of them, but you were the only one that would raise your hand. And he's like, I will miss that. And I so appreciated him saying that to me that sometimes it's about how much. Hey, there's Megan D. Um, how much oh, do I know you Megan wanna, D. I know yeah. how much hey, do, you, do you want to learn? And I think exactly. that at I know most of these people over here. And Maya is my new friend in Norway. She is always watching things on YouTube, learning things. We're talking about things. She's an incredible artist. And it's like, this is when um, when we can continue to learn and then we can share. That's why I love YouTube. I love putting um, the podcast out on YouTube. But we are, but we are actually, we get stronger and better the more we rub up against. Me and Dee have been in many groups together and I'm. Oh, she's always teaching me new things. And when she's excited about algae ink or, oh, I have a joke. Are you ready? It has to do with algae. Okay, it's total dad joke. D, you can use this anytime. Okay, what kind of bra does a mermaid wear? Go on. Algebra. Get it? <laughs> anyway, it's really bad. I know. The ADD is kicking wow. in real hard because I just took my medicine. That, that is going to be permanently on record. Just so you know, that's in the ether my, now. My dad sent it to me the other day. But, but. In this, I just think that we are always um, <laughs> we, are, we are always learning. We are, um, it, but we learn better when we actually are vulnerable exactly. and can say, "Hey, I don't know. Could you teach me?" And mm-hmm. so many of us are either lonely only, like Amy Lyons. She's an awesome designer, awesome illustrator. And I have seen her grow over so many years because we've been friends for twelve years. I've seen her illustrations go from here to amazing, mm-hmm. you know, because she kept working on it and she continues to keep working on it. Same thing. It's like if we're not if we're not trying to get better, but most people spend maybe four years in school trying to get better or trying to learn. And then yep. they think that they don't have. I think we think we're supposed to have it together and we're not right. supposed to be so curious or we have to do that on our own. And there isn't as much of a space in um, regular offices or design. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you got to know what you, but we always have to keep learning anyway. Well, well, so here's the thing about I agree with you. Obviously, I, I mean, I've built my career on agreeing with you on that. I will say there is nothing wrong with going to school for four years, getting your degree, showing up at nine, doing your job. And at five o'clock, you go home to your family. Absolutely. That is a phenomenally valid, excellent way to do this. Work 50 weeks a year, work 40 hours a week or whatever, you know, you don't have to care as much as you and I do to to be legitimate as a designer. There's nothing wrong with that. If you can have this job where you don't have to have manual labor, where you're not being sort of crapped on by your superiors and you get to go in into an office, make stuff and go home and spend time with your family and spend all day Saturday and Sunday with your kids. I think that's incredible. Like, I don't dismiss that in the, I think that's a phenomenal life that you can have. 
personally, for me personally, it wasn't enough. I wanted more, but I, I'm always quick to, to, you know, to, to sort of, I, I, there's this, um, I think a lot of what spurned some of my more snarky Twitter stuff was basically the sort of arrogance of designers in a lot of ways. Mm. And um, I think the way I've always referred to it as we are um, arrogantly insecure, mm. you know, like we are so full of ourselves, but the second, like, like somebody suggests we work for free, we're like, oh my God, well, how dare you? You know, and it's just, it's ridiculous, right? There's nothing wrong with having a job where you flow stuff into InDesign and at 5.01 PM, you don't care anymore. And at 9 a.m. the next day, you do care. That is totally awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I wish I had that life because my brain just will not shut up. And it really drives me nuts sometimes, right? Um, having said all of that, obviously, my practice, the book, what I write about, blah, 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 is all geared to the people who are really maybe a little more in it sort of in, in an esoteric way. But I, I think at the end of the day, the book is more about an approach than anything else. It's not how to do X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? It's really like, here's how you could approach education. Here's how you can approach sort of understanding how this stuff works. And, and at the end of the day, for me personally, I call it applied curiosity. It's not just being curious, it's being applied in my curiosity. It's making stuff, it's doing things, it's actively participating. Um, and that is where I live personally. Mm. And I'm not going to tell you that's the best place to live. I'm going to tell you that's where I live. And that for me, often that works. Sometimes it's a nightmare, but often that works pretty well. And, and so I think really that's kind of where I'm at with this is, is here's my view. And, and, and I've, some of the comments I've gotten about the book are people like, well, you sort of play both sides a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't think I'm inherently more correct than someone else. Mm. I just have my opinions, which are informed and I believe valid and I believe legitimate, but that doesn't mean somebody else is inherently incorrect. It's just a different attitude. Mm -hmm. And I don't like saying dismissing people. I don't like mm. saying no, incorrect, wrong. I don't really like words like right and wrong or yes and no. I, 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 it's too, it's too, it's too ambiguous and gray which is why it is so interesting because it is so ambiguous and gray and kind of anything goes if you want it to. And I love that. You know, I love that. And, and, and I think that my experience in grad school, both at VCU and at, at RIT, my experience at undergrad, it just constantly revalidated that, 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 yeah. that it's, it's this weird thing. Nobody really understands it, but we all kind of understand it. So let's just go. Like, let's just go. Let's a little 100 miles an hour in. Let's not tiptoe. Let's go. And I think for me, that's how I have to do it. I don't know another way to do it. Well, and I think that- And it might not be good, but that is just- I think that a lot of it things have to do with audience, right? If I'm designing one thing, that could be right for one audience, but it could be terrible for another audience. If It yeah. depends on who I was designing for, and you always have to kind of keep that in mind. For me, that's there's exactly those. Things. So what are some and this may be some more funny things, um, but it doesn't have to be. What are mm -hmm. some of your pet peeves in regards to students who are studying design? Um, my biggest pet peeve is constantly and endlessly comparing themselves to either each other or to some sort of design hero who's got like a 40 year career. I constantly Constantly hear students going, oh, my God, did you see X, Y, Z's? I'll never get. And I'm like, talk to me in 40 years and we'll see where you're at because you might be surprised. 
So that's the number one thing for me is the students like defeating themselves by mm-hmm. constantly comparing themselves to each other, which I understand that's like, welcome to life. Like you're going to do that for the rest of your life, but it's a bad toxic thing to do. And, and by saying, Oh, you know, my, my, um, you know, my friend or this person I'm in class with got an interview at X, Y, Z, and I didn't, I suck. No, you do not suck. This person was just slightly better at getting this one specific interview. Doesn't mean they're a better designer. Doesn't mean they're a better interviewer. It does All it means is this one specific moment, they were maybe a slightly ahead of you, but that doesn't mean you lose, right? I think there's this attitude in design school. And, and again, I'm not speaking specifically about RIT. I'm speaking about broadly speaking design schools that there are this, there's this like elite set of jobs or, or studios, Whedon Kennedy, Apple, Alphabet, blah, 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 blah. And if you get those jobs, you won design school, like you win. And everybody else who works in Oklahoma lost. And I think that is just the most absurd pile of bullshit I've ever heard. Sorry, I hope I'm swearing. Is it okay? It's just such garbage. My mom's dead. It's okay. Yeah, it's I'm so just, we'll, we'll stupid. Cut it. It's so dumb because what does it do? It makes everybody 10 times more stressed out. It makes everybody get super competitive with each other. Uh, my experience at RISD was incredible, except spring semester of senior year. Wow. Like everybody got hyper competitive with each other. And there was all sorts of very casual, I, I distinctly remember conversations with people going, oh, how was your weekend? And they're like, oh, I'm so tired. I had so many interviews at Pentagram. And it's like, oh, man. off a little bit. Like, I don't need, like, what are you telling me with that? I don't care. Like that, what is that? Like, am I supposed to be impressed by that? Stuff like that drives me eight. Yeah. And I actually lecture to my seniors about this. Like, we have a talk about this where I'm like, look, you guys need to understand something. And I say to them, look to your left and right. And I'm like, this is your first professional network. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't be jerks to each other, not only because you should just not be a horrible human being in general, but in addition to that, these people 10 years from now, you never know who might be either giving you or not giving you a job. Yeah. And my experience being a designer and being in the community is that jobs come from other designers all the time. And if I have a, something I can't do or I don't want to do, or I don't have time to do, or I can't afford to do, I'm not going to tell the client, Touch yeah. I'm going to say, wait, I know somebody. And I think people forget that. And that doesn't mean you have to be like strategic and tactical and lie to your friends. It just means that there's no reason to not be a good human being. And I think if you're just like a good person, like like good things, I know this sounds so stupid to say out loud, but I think that good things beget good things generally. Not always, not all the time, but often. And so for me, I just want us to be a little bit kinder to each other as like mm-hmm. designers and human beings. And and. I'm hoping, I I believe that my tone on social in the past and currently is I can poke fun, but I'm not mean. I'm not really, I'm mean to Adobe because Adobe deserves to be mean. But other than that, I'm not like mean to people. I never want to literally say to a person, this design you made sucks and call that out. I would never do that. I will tease a giant corporation that spent $3 million on a horrible logo because they deserve to be made fun of, but not an individual human being. And that's always a line that I drew. I am not, I don't want to belittle somebody. I don't want to dismiss somebody. I don't want to do that. There's enough of that in the world. I make art and design. Like we're not in the business of life and death here. Like we need to calm down and just enjoy that. We get to do this for a living, you know? So again, that's kind of my broad approach, I would say. And Megan says, true, it's bad to compare, compare for better or worse. Sometimes students are like, I just have to be better than Judy. 
Uh, and then they don't push themselves as much mm -hmm. as they could. And then at other times they beat themselves up because they aren't in the same place as Judy because or they're not the same level. Right. Yeah. I just made up Judy. I don't know, <laughs> Judy. Um, OK, so are there any pet peeves that you have that maybe aren't in the book that are just student related? And it could be just about maybe it's the maybe it's not necessarily student, but it's those designers who think that they don't have to learn anymore maybe I, I think that there is a um i mean nothing specific really I, I again i try not to be a very negative person broadly speaking but i i just wish that some of the arrogance and the elitism would just go away mm. and i do feel like it's getting there i think people are starting to be hip to the fact that maybe being full of ourselves isn't really that <laughs> awesome like that's not great i do think our generation is it's better and i think it's better yeah i think we're getting than it there. was maybe and so i think that understanding that that there are so many different people on the planet different backgrounds different lives different understandings different educations different you know different everything times infinity that just because you think something doesn't necessarily mean you're right or right. that it isn't even about right or wrong. It's your approach. And so yeah. I think you should, A, believe in what you say, but also understand other people can be right, too. Yeah. And, I think and you do both of those things. And know that you like can change your mind. Yeah, exactly. All right. So what do you love most about teaching? So from undergrad at RISD, there was something that happened. I don't know if there was a teacher or if it was just like, this makes sense. What? So what was it that pulled you in? And then Everything. what do you love? It's the best job in the world. I don't say that lightly. I've had a lot of yeah. jobs, so I'm not saying that casually. It is the best job in the world with one notable exception, which is I'm never going to get rich teaching. Right. And I accepted that on day one. I am comfortable. I get paid a very fair salary. I have no complaints, but I, but wealth is not going to be a conversation I'm going to be involved in. Once I accepted that, it is the greatest. I am paid to be professionally curious about stuff and to talk about how curious I am with other people who are also professionally curious. Okay. So what about That's students? the best job in the world? So what do you love about actually getting somebody to that next level or taking somebody? Because oh. I would think some of our students wouldn't think of themselves as professionally curious yet, I mean, maybe. I love everything about it. Like, I can't answer that question. I love all of it. There are these moments, I call them holy yeah. moments. And I personally have had a number of them over the years, but it's like once a semester twice a semester, maybe doesn't mean the rest of the semester was worthless. It was valuable, but there are these moments where your worldview changes and you understand something or see something. And you're just like, Holy what? Like how? And I've had a few of those moments. And so on the, I, I hope this is true. I can't prove it. I believe I have helped initiate that for some students over the years. And every once in a while, you see a student, you say something to a student, and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And that is like, yeah, like, yes, like, yeah, like, that's mm. what it's about. Mm. And it isn't about me being validated or them 10 years from now getting an AIGA award and crediting. I don't care about any of that stuff. That is not, it's not about me. But like getting to see that, like, that, like, woo, like the brain also goes, and it starts, it's, it's like, it's, I can't even explain how satisfying that is as a human being. It's just such a wonderful thing to like get to do that for somebody or to help somebody achieve those moments. 
it's it's incredible. I can't even make words. Like it's the most unbelievable thing on the planet. And, and and that's and it's so worth it. Like, I mean, it's a job. I love working. People think work is like a bad word. I love the word work. I love to work. I love that I have a job. I love having to go somewhere. I hate summer. I hate summer. I want to teach all year. I hate it. Give me two weeks off here and there, and I'm good. Um, but like the fact that I get to be this person who is making a living helping people be more awesome, hmm. but in like a really real way, not in a BS like life coachy way, but in a real way is it's unreal. It's, I can't verbalize it to you. I, it's unbelievable that that's a thing that exists and hmm. I cannot believe I get to do that. And I'm not facetiously saying that I cannot believe I get to do this for a living. Okay. So when, when is the right time to retire? Um, I would say just before I'm dead. And I mean like an hour or two, like not years. I mean, a couple of hours. Um, it's funny. I actually had a chat with my um, accountant, which by the way, you all should have a good accountant in my opinion. Um, and we were talking about my retirement stuff and just looking at my 401k and you know, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, so you want to retire when you're like 62, 65. And I'm like, I don't want to, why would I want to retire? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would I want to not do this? Hmm. Like He's like, are you out of, out of your mind? And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm going to retire when I'm physically incapable of speaking. Hmm. So the idea of like sitting on a beach when I'm old, if it's a beach in like Amsterdam where there's a design school I could teach it, that would be cool. But beyond that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to ever not do this. Hmm. I am compelled to do this. Like, I don't have a choice. And again, this being a lot of various things, but like, I don't have a choice to not do this. Um, I have a hard time after like week two of winter break. I can't even comprehend year four of, I can't even wrap my mind around what that would look like. There's no way in hell I'm ever going to do that. I hope if I am lucky, I'm healthy enough and physically capable of communicating and doing this. But like, retirement is not, a, I have no interest in that at all. Now, who knows? Maybe when I'm 90, I'll be, I'll feel differently, but I can't even fathom what that looks like. You know, my, my, my dad, I love him dearly. He uh, was a salesperson his whole life. Um, and then he and my stepmother moved down to Florida and they are living this like Seinfeld condo life, you know, like Morty Seinfeld. Right. And they love it. And they're like, you've got to come down and see it. And I'm like, I definitely want to see it. He's like, you might be surprised. I'm like, no, 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 I am. Ne- that is not going to be. What I'm not. That's not what I'm going to go do. And I'm like, it's amazing. You love it. It's awesome. Love it. Enjoy it. But like, I'm good. Like, that is not who I'm going to be. And and I think that just kind of knowing that. Again, it doesn't mean I'll make anything good. I might suck when I'm 90 or whatever. But I'm willing to go there. Like, I'm willing to do that. I think that's kind of who I am. I I can't handle not having something to do. I'm just not mm. good. I'm really bad at relaxing. It's actually a problem. Like, I'm, I'm really bad at relaxing too. I wonder if that's a, a trait either of professors yeah. or of designers. Because Lord, I tried to my take husband. a day off. Yeah, I try. I was like, I am taking a day off on Saturday. I am gonna like not get dressed. I'm gonna watch Netflix or whatever. Uh, you know, I like doing jigsaw. I'll do a jigsaw puzzle. And by the end of the day, I was like, this day kind of sucked. Like, I wish I would have done something. <laughs> this wasn't relaxing at all. And like. I'm not bragging. Like, it's a problem. Like, I talked to my therapist about that. Like, it's a problem, but it's just who I am. 
And I think one of my favorite things about getting older is not caring what other people have to say about me Mm. more and more every year. It's kind of just like, this is who I am. Take it, leave it, whatever. I love that. Okay. So I want to, at least if you have time for another five minute question. So one thing I love, um, and Paul says, I get that about relaxing. My yeah. idea of a vacation is quiet time when exactly. I can work. Amen, Paul. Amen to that, Paul. Yeah. I Hell am yeah. there. It's like, oh, that's just uninterrupted time mm-hmm. when my husband's not going to keep coming in and making this noise at the door that he makes, like my dog or something. But um, okay, so I want to ask you what's next, but I also want to ask you about this hybrid practice. I think Maura will also really like this because she's also a graphic designer, but she's also industrial and she loves furniture. So Mm -hmm. I'm asking this one for you, Maura. Hopefully this is good. Um, But you love to learn. You got your degree in for another uh, master's in furniture design. And you told us what, uh, you know, furniture was kind of like the itch that wasn't uh, architecture. And you're really, it's this hybrid um, uh, practice. Right. Can you talk about it a little bit um about what you see it being and how it can work so that's a really good question and i'm not being cagey i don't quite know how to answer it but i will try i think and i'm gonna say this real loosely i think that at the end of the day all of these things i've learned between i used to do a lot of darkroom photography graphic design furniture, you know, fine art, sculpture. I've been in galleries. I've written a book, all this stuff. I've been in galleries. I hadn't had my work in there. I've been lucky enough to be in a couple of gallery shows, you know, and and I've sold a little bit of work, not a lot, but here and there. I think at the end of the day, all of this comes down to me handling my existence as a human being. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what all artists do, but I'm doing it in a way that I think the way that I've kind of quantified it, verbalized it, whatever, is that um, the title of my furniture thesis was When It Clicks, because it was this idea. I really like jigsaw puzzles. Love them. I must own like 40 or 50. I'm going to start donating them because I have too many. And the reason why I love it is it is about that moment when you find the piece and it clicks and it goes. And that moment, the world makes sense to me. My existence as a person makes sense to me. And so I think what my work is about is that, is understanding where I sit in the world. Because I am an anxious person. I suffer from anxiety. I have some depression. I'm on medication. I'm in therapy. Like, I'm as messed up as anybody else is, right? I don't even think it's messed up. I think it's just human being. Like, that's what a person is. (laughs) And so for me, the work is making these moments where stuff goes, oh, that makes sense. Oh, I understand that connection between those two things. And so a lot of my work aesthetically Mm -hmm. is very fragmented and very angular but what it really is is all of this sort of chaotic stuff where these moments of understanding live through it again and i mean literally like visual moments of stuff kind of connecting and so i think that ultimately what my hybrid practice is is me just understanding how to be a person Mm. the way i do that in addition to like you know having a partner and friends and is to just like understand how i sit in the world and so I believe what my practice is about is making those moments of clarification, like Legos, like, like Hannah just said, Legos, I love mm-hmm. Legos, but what I don't love is here's a bucket of Legos, go make something. I hate that. What I love is here is the Millennium Falcon Lego set. And here's a 90 page instruction booklet, go through it and put this together. I love that. My creativity doesn't sit aside beside my relaxation. It sits 
opposite of it in a way. And so I sort of have both sides of Mitch. There's the Mitch who really likes the chaos and the ambiguity, but then there's the Mitch who really, really likes, like Morris said, parameters. Like mm-hmm. I like hard edges on stuff almost more as a therapeutic idea than about really making art exactly. And that's why to me, a jigsaw puzzle isn't just I'm bored. It's calm down. It's yeah. It's like, I'm going to take a moment. And when these pieces click together, I get it's a little moment, but I'm just like, ah. Mm. And I think, and this all might be BS, but I think that is where my work is going. I think that's why I make what I make. I think that's why I work the way I work. I try to work kind of very randomly and chaotically and very chancy. And, you know, Megan saw my work at grad school. She would verify that, you know, my stuff is kind of all over the place. And I think that is why, because that Mm. is how I sort of perceive my existence in the planet as this world. I mean, we're not even going to get into what's going on right now in the world. It is like, so beyond understanding to me as just a person, like I can't understand it, but you know what? When the puzzle piece clicks in, it's like, okay, I'm good. Like mm. I have five seconds where I'm good. And so ultimately I think that's what my work is about. So I know that was like an extremely oh, long. I love that. I love that answer. But I think that's what it's about. And so I think where it's going in a more practical answer, I really am interested in smushing all this stuff together. I'm really interested in what happens if I bring wood into a dark room or what happens if I develop I put photo emulsion on a piece of furniture and develop it. Or if I make a collage out of old, you know, or any number of things where stuff just mushes into each other. And that's kind of where I'm at. Now, having said all that, talk to me in two years and I will tell you if that was all BS or not. Okay, I'm going to get you back on in two years. You're going to show us stuff that is- We got to see where I'm going with this, but that's my theory. I I love that though. Um, So what's next is that you don't want to take summers- And you want to die teaching and um, uh, you're melding things together. And I love this. So understanding the connection between maybe seemingly unrelated things. And Mm -hmm. it makes sense in life. It's how you fit into the world. It's also so I love it's beautiful. Great, great way. I want to make sure everybody knows um, how to get in touch with you or how yes. to follow you. So I'm going to copy this and I'm going to paste it in the chat. If you're watching on YouTube and this isn't live, um, they are at the top of the YouTube thing. If you're listening on your iPod, iPod who even has an iPod? Yes. Anymore? What's an Whatever. iPod? <laughs> yeah. um, for you young people, that's how we started. Um, it It's at the top of your, wherever your podcasts are. Yeah. It's right at the top. And then underneath that, there's a couple other links. One, I want Doc's not here anymore, but we are still uh, raising money for the Tatas. His wife has breast cancer again, and we are going to save Julie Reed. Um, and if you want to give to that, she's going at it from a different angle. And the different angle isn't always covered by regular yep. insurance. So if you want to help raise money, um, for them, they have three little girls and three, 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 right, Amy? Amy, three. Um, I'm asking Amy to respond. Um, but it is GoFundMe. Um, let me read Mitch's first. Mitch, M I T C H, Goldstein, G O L D S T E I N dot com. That is where you can get the book information on most social medias. Um, this is how you are M G O L D S T. Yep. on instagram so m i don't i think i'm saying anyway i think i say the letter m funny m gold m, yeah m gold stuff 
And then if you want to check out at RIT, it's rit.edu, which is Rochester Institute of Technology mm-hmm. slash shop, shop one. I was like, show pony. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm a terrible reader. Uh, S-H-O-P-O-N-E slash artists with an S slash Mitch hyphen Goldstein. And that's where his work is for sale. And yep. then uh, oh, they have four girls. I knew it. I knew I was missing Hazel. It was Hazel. Hazel's the baby, I believe. Anyway, my nose is running. Um, then I also just want to remind you that me and Hannah and Paul already started, but I hadn't seen yours, Paul. I need to see it. Maura, I've seen some. Um, Hannah has been doing it with me. Uh, D, you said you were going to do it. I, I, everybody in here, I would love to see you do Imagine Ember with me. So, Mitch, if you didn't know, I have changed November. It is no longer called November. It is called Imagine Ember. And I think all month long, we all need to exercise our imaginations. I actually believe that we think that it's for kids. And I don't, mm-hmm. I actually think this is a, something we need to get over that it's because I hear this a lot. Oh, I'll do this with my kids. I was like, actually, yeah. I think you need to do it. Do it for Not you. your kids. Yeah. <laughs> because we need to look at things and we are solving problems and it has been so much fun. Okay. If you go, so Maya, you just asked. So if you see, if you go to um, creativesignite.com slash imagine, it's I-M-A-G-I-N-E-M. B E R dash 2023. You can sign up at the bottom. It's a workout for your imagination. And this last year we did blobs and it was super fun. This year we're doing all these unsplash images. So I pulled images off of unsplash and you get to um, make things from furniture. So you get, I can't see myself cause I have the chat over me, um, but you get something like this, like a nice little, and they start off easy and they get harder. Mm-hmm. Paul and I were talking, he's like, this is like a book, Diane. I just need, I could buy this, but these are ones I did. Now I'm just doing it physically, but I right. think Hannah is doing it digitally. I also give you an option. So see, I made a face, somebody mm-hmm. else, Sophie, she's 10. I think she's 10. She made it into a, um, um, a shark. Her dad made it into a frog. Um, uh, week one is on the iPad. Um, uh, yep. Maura says, but they get harder as they go, and they are. I think it's really fun. So I'm going to show you the one that. Um, I mean, and everybody sees different things, and the people who are doing it on the iPad can zoom in more and can see things. It's kind of making me jealous that I should <laughs> get my iPad out. But here, this was one we did. I don't remember what day, but I was like, "Who puts a black painted canvas?" That's it. That's what I was like. Well, we're drawing all over it. Some people, Carol Record, man, she went all over the place. I made a kitty, and um, that, and I put some pink glitter nice. uh for his nose. I mean, you know, people, I mean, I made something with the little guy. Uh, I think Hannah and Sophie and Harrison um, made something with this. Mm-hmm. Thing. I mean, it, it is so much fun, please. Oh my yeah, gosh, guys. That's this amazing. Is, this has Love been, it. I mean, in some, they get harder, I think. Yeah. But just always be making. That's it. And even always be just, making. And it's the, uh, for, I think about Paul, Paul's like, I can't draw, but Paul can draw. And sometimes it's just two dots and a smile. You know, it's just, it's little things. So Mm -hmm. let's save Julie Reed. Let's follow Mitch. And, um, and then let's, let's exercise our imagination and you can start anytime. It is not, 
Hell yes. You don't have to do it, but there are 42 days of papers so that you can go in and you can print them out. Or when you get that first email, there's a zip file. You can download it and do it on your iPad like Hannah's doing it. So mm -hmm. it's it has been really fun. And Paul, I noticed that I have not seen any of yours. You can just text yeah. me <laughs> so the, no your images yeah. if you don't want to put it on Instagram. But I want to see y'all's. Like, I want to have a big thing where we're coming together talking about it. Next week, I'm at my dad's, so we're not going to do um, the podcast next week. And the, But then the next week um, was right before Thanksgiving, and I'm going to talk about Imagine Ember. I'm going to show you some stuff. So if you've been posting stuff, I'm going to ask you to send me some images. I'll put a Google Drive awesome. together. But it's going to be fun. So That's great. Mitch, thank you for being here. Oh. Thank you for being so thank full you. of energy and sharing your love of teaching, sharing your love of design, and just being creative. I am going to connect you with my friend Chris Martin because he's all about curiosity too, and you can be on his podcast. Not that oh. I can control what's on his podcast. It would be but, an honor. Yeah, but absolutely. I would love to connect you with him. So, Chris, um, I'm connecting you. Yeah, and Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to see you again. Thanks to everybody in the chat. It, it's just so great. I, I love doing stuff like this. So thank you for even Well, you do great. Me. So, And oh. I can't wait. So we can get the book only on your website or can we get the do you book mean anywhere? this book yeah i mean that book everywhere you buy books so amazon so, um independent bookstores you know all the all the normal retail places awesome. and it's like Hold a it third up. the price on a kindle okay how to be a graph uh, no how to be a design student yep okay i love it and he designed the whole thing i did so, the whole thing all right great there's words inside yeah it's like a book <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I will see you guys in two weeks, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And I'm going to talk about Imagine Ember. And Mitch, I hope to see you again soon. And in two years, you're back on showing Absolutely. me everything you've done. And thanks, right. everybody in the chat. Good to see you all. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.